it's not even February. And on some level, I think we're already worn out by the rookie of the year conversation. Not smart, nuanced discussion. That's been great. But the online discourse about whether Chet Holmgren or Victor Wimanyama is better is already wearing thin. Here's why. On social media, it's hard to say one nice thing about either player and not be bombarded by fans of the other. The Wimby Warriors and champions of Chet seemingly want to pounce on any praise given to the other guy. Bring up Wimanyama's superior counting stats, and the Chet folks will counter with efficiency. Bring up that, and the Wimanyama defenders will counter with Chet's superior guards. And it's fair to ask for awards purposes, is it better to put up big numbers on a bad team or contribute to winning at the cost of some stats? Should it matter that one guy is in his first year and one sat out last season, or that one is younger? These are all valid discussion points. The problem is that in some online spaces, you can't bring them up without a tax flying. So today, Matthew Tynan and I will try to keep things civil. If you don't know Matthew, you should. He's been writing about basketball for more than a decade, covering the NBA and the Spurs at Bleacher Report, Real GM, and The Athletic. These days, his Spurs coverage is at matthewtynan.substack.com. He's here to talk Chet and Wimby without bashing either one of them. Civil Discourse Today. I'm Brett Dawson, and this is Heard Thundering. Before we get started, I do want to thank the sponsors who support our show, MidFirst Bank, the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum, Fire Lake Casino, and your Oklahoma Ford dealers. Drive into your best in Oklahoma Ford dealers today for the best deals on Ford's full lineup of trucks and SUVs. Ford is the best in Oklahoma. All right, so now we are going to bring in Matthew Tynan. Matthew, first of all, thanks for being here. Yeah, of course, man. Thanks for having me. So uh, we're going to try to get through maybe 30 minutes of podcasting without anything insane happening in the NBA, but that this mm-hmm. is not a great day to attempt that. We're less than 24 hours removed from a game we're going to talk about in a few minutes with Joel Embiid scoring 70. Cat gets 62 and then gets kind of lambasted by his coach for a 62-point game. Uh, we get a, a trade, Miami getting Terry Rozier, and then the Bucks fire Adrian Griffin. So not a slow day in the NBA. By no, any. it's just like a normal 24-hour period yeah. in the NBA, right? Normal. Yeah, just a typical January. <laughs> um, so we're going to get into some stuff, but I know you were watching last night um, as as Embiid had the 70 and, and uh, playing against the Spurs. Mm-hmm. So we'll start there, just um, kind of, you know, what you saw there. It, it's funny because Victor Wimanyama was really good in that game, and it's it's rightfully overshadowed, but, but he was really good, and I don't think his defense had a whole lot to do with Joel Embiid getting 70. Yeah, he he had a couple of moments. Uh, you're right. First of all, he played really well. Um, he's still on the minutes restriction, like 33 points and seven rebounds and two blocks, two assists and in 28 minutes. Like that's a really good game. Uh, but the guy on the other side of the ball <laughs> or on the other bench, yeah. I should say, put up 70. Um, you know, I, I think he got caught a little bit early. Like there were definitely some times because. First of all, Joel Embiid is incredible. Um, there were times where you could tell whenever he was guarding him, he was trying to, it was the feeling out process. It's like, how much can I extend against this guy in the mid range? How much do I have to like be careful of the, of the blow by? Because even though Joel Embiid is a giant, uh, he can still go right by you. And he started to sort of, get in a flow I think later uh when Benyama that is Joel Embiid was in the flow all night um but yeah I thought I thought he had some rough moments early but as the game wore on I I thought that he started to figure some things out 
How much has that been his nature just in terms of like we're seeing Chet here every day and you're seeing Victor all the time. And when you see things like Chet plays, you know, uh, he plays Jokic for the first time and he looks pretty lost and physically overwhelmed. And then the next time he's kind of in the mix a little more. He blocks a shot. He he understands positioning a little bit more. Sometimes the other guys are figuring him out as well. And so, you know, where help is coming from a little better, but he's, he's pretty calculated, I think, in figuring out second and third matchups. Has that been the case for Vic as well? Oh, for sure. Um, and it's not even just Vic. It's like the last couple of years, like all these young dudes, I mean, they have six guys on the roster who can't legally enter a bar. Um, <laughs> and, and like, they've been doing stuff like, <laughs> like putting, you know, Jeremy Sohan from day one has been having to guard guys like Luca. And, and, you know, we're talking about Oklahoma City a little bit, like dudes like SGA. Um, right. uh, it, it, like, they're without question from game to game, from week to week, as they experience, uh, and I know that everyone in Oklahoma City can like relate to this. Um, every week they see these dudes another time, another time, another time, and they figure out a little small intricacy of their game that they left out the time before. Like you said, they get in the mix. Um, so, yeah, with Victor, he processes things really quickly. Um, the the improvements that he's made from the beginning of the season until now are are pretty crazy to watch and it's uh, you you guys have seen the same thing with Chet like uh he, on if he busted out a spin move in game 1 he probably would have gotten it picked and now he can get by people and finish like it's just these kids are figuring out how to play basketball and they're being coached really well. And I think that's also an important element in this. Yes. Yeah, so I think, you know, they're, they're going to play on Wednesday and we're recording this on Tuesday. So full disclosure, we don't want to make this just a game preview. We'd like to have a little bit of life. So I want to talk a little bit bigger picture about these two guys and the, the disclaimer I want to get out, at least for myself, uh, as we start having this conversation is that I really like both of these guys. I love watching both of these guys play. They're not supposed to be in the same class per se like Chet's a couple of years older he was supposed to be a rookie last year but it's pretty remarkable to have it work out that we get these two just absolute sort of evolutionary leaps like mutants in the <laughs> same rookie class right, like we've right. seen you know we've seen the Anthony Davises and and we've seen you know Porzingis or whoever we've seen along the way Durant goes far back as Durant if you want um, but these guys seem like next step kind of guys in that unicorn space and like Every bit of conversation I have about those dudes, I want to frame it as like, they're both awesome. So we're going to talk about some good and bad in both, both guys. But like, these dudes are amazing to watch. Uh, you know, you and I briefly um, communicated about this, you know, prior to this podcast. But it, like the, the discourse about this, and I know this is just sort of internet culture at this point, yeah. uh, sort of the like toxic nature of it. So like you... Um, anytime I even tweet anything about the rookie of the year debate, I'm like, they're both awesome. I <laughs> yeah. think Chad Holmgren is incredible. Like these dudes are making, uh, huge impacts for their respective teams. Uh, but, but you're right. I th it is really unique that like, we're looking at this, um, it, it, a battle between two dudes who are super tall, 
super long, super gangly, like these sort of giants of the game who haven't become giants yet, but like you can you can clearly see that they're getting to that point. Yeah, it's it's pretty amazing because like it was not that long ago that we've got such a diversity of, of big guys in the league right now. It wasn't that long ago that it was kind of crazy to think about your five who's going to step out and shoot threes. And now you've got towns who, who shoots them almost exclusively. And, <laughs> uh, you, you know, Embiid occasionally is stepping out there. Didn't have to do it a whole lot last night, but, um, these guys are, he had, both he had comfortable. that 17 footer on yeah. lock, man. It wasn't, it, yeah. <laughs> it's all he needed. Yeah. But like you watch, if you saw Kevin, Durant, I don't know if you saw Kevin Durant after the game last night, and he got asked about it and the you know the reaction to yeah. to hearing seventy, and then he went into this thing about you know the, the talent level with bigs is so crazy and the coaching is so crazy and they're designing all these plays to get big guys threes and all these kinds of things that are happening. These two guys are the beneficiaries of you know th- these are guys who like. Anthony Davis didn't want to be called a seven footer, even if he might have been. Kevin Durant was the same way; wanted to keep his height down. Right. Um, this is it's really different. These guys, there's just no sense of like, oh, these guys were parked down in the post when they were twelve and thirteen years old. These guys have come of age in this era, and it's really cool to look at it. Yeah, and I, I well, like one of the cool things about Victor, um, he just accepts all of it. Like he he knows how big he. It, like you're right, even like going back to the first days that I was covering this team and covering Tim Duncan, um, he didn't want to be called a seven footer. Like there was just sort of this stigma, like uh, for some reason, a stigma, like they just didn't want to be looked at as these giants. Uh, They didn't want to be looked at as these sort of, I I say this delicately and without any sort of offense meant, but like freaks of nature, like there was some sort of element of it uh, of that um the thing that i have really been impressed by with victor is he just embraces everything um and obviously i'm you know many many miles away from oklahoma city but it seems like chet does the same thing like he doesn't he doesn't seem to care about any of that stuff like uh he's embracing this like what he is and and the weapon that he can be at that height and just there you're right like there is a maturity level of this generation that i guess sort of is able to cancel out sort of the noisy stuff or the like gawking or like you know i don't know if you saw um Victor the other night in Boston talking to reporters after the game who were asking him like what it's like to have this much attention and be watching your pre you know your pregame workout and ooing and eyeing and all this stuff and he matter of factly like without any sort of break in his face said yeah I don't I don't it's funny how I don't care and <laughs> yeah. um and so yeah I think you're right there's just an element to these guys that that know sort of the environment that they're in and they've sort of been raised in the whatever social media era the attention era where a lot of the other guys maybe hadn't been um but they just they're you know both of these guys are embracing who they are and figuring out who they are and and it's cool to see like it's really refreshing and i think for both franchises like you're you're talking about two guys who are going to you know carry you 
for a very long time and they're showing this maturity at, at 19 years old and uh, 21 i think chet is um yeah that's like that's really that's not not just great for oklahoma city like that's great for the nba so it, it's cool yeah. to see yeah it's been super cool i mean like chet you know the idea of like you know, leading up to the year, a lot of people like nationally were asking, you know, oh, is he going to be willing to play center and are they going to be okay? You know, is he going to be okay at the five? And it's just never been, a, it's like, you know, yeah, I'm going to play wherever they want me to play. When he was yeah. a kid, you know, when he was a sophomore in high school and he was bringing the ball up the floor and putting it between his legs and shooting NBA three pointers, you know, I, a reporter, uh, I talked to him last week, Chip Scoggins, a columnist there said, you know, like what position do you really think you play and he said I don't it doesn't matter to me that's not really a thing for me um, and I think he's kind of just been the same way you know he played with another center at Gonzaga but here he's kind of I know Victor's also been in the situation where he's often the only big guy on the floor real real traditional not not traditional big no traditional height for right, a center right. you know they, traditional they have, height they have a tradition. <laughs> yeah correct not at all traditional <laughs> bigs but they, they they are the only guys out there who are taller than 6'10 or 6'11 often and that's right by default they're kind of considered centers. Neither guy seems to be making much of a stink about that. That's been a really fun part of this too. Yeah, and and it was it was a major you know storyline storyline or talking point like whatever you want to say before the season. Like Victor wants to play the four. Well, um, he has totally accepted his new role as the five, um, and just no ifs or ands or buts about it has completely accepted his role um he also like he he plays the five defensively uh, you know if we want to call it that we talk it about we, we talk about the non-traditional side of things but like the majority of the league is not traditional at this point like unless you're playing philadelphia or you're playing denver which the spurs already have and victor actually really really entertaining uh, game against uh, against Jokic earlier this year. It's it's one of those things where like Victor is running is is handling the ball in the pick and roll. Like it's just and the Spurs have been in this sort of um, you know quote unquote positionless whatever. I I don't really like that term because I think there are like <laughs> defensively there are positions like you have right. to be able to guard, but offensively like he's getting it and catching uh, like catching it off the rim and running the break <laughs> like stuff like that um these these two guys are just not what you would have um have thought would become of the seven footers or the seven plusers or in victor's case the seven fivers like it, <laughs> you just never would have thought that it would have uh reach this point but here we are and they're and you're right they've been raised in that mold like they understand that if you're seven foot plus and you can pull up and shoot or you can take people off the dribble that's a that's a huge weapon like major weapon um and and they've embraced it obviously from a young age again like you said like been coached this way uh this is <laughs> This is the evolution of basketball, man, and and it's like, it's like, uh, we're also seeing the fact that like you have to be, it's like a roller coaster ride. Like you have to be this tall to play this many <laughs> minutes because we're getting right. to a point where like all these guys are just way too big for uh, what we're accustomed to. 
It's so true. It's like, why, like I watch some college games very rarely, but I'll watch prospects. And when you see like a six, one, six, two, six, three guard anymore in college, you're just like, well, I don't know. I don't know what the role is anymore. You know, mm -hmm. like there's not very many of those, like, Oh, we've got a six, two guy who comes off the bench and he's an instant offense. Like everybody has big skilled players in both units and they kind of try to play the same way all the time. And, you know, you're, you're stretching out with your perimeter guy or with your post guys. Um, it's super fun to watch, but it's, so, yeah, you're, you're right. It's almost like the, the, the league is almost freezing out guys who aren't, you know, as front court guys, not only do you have to be six, nine or six ten, but you got to be able to put it on the floor. Some, you got to be able to pass it some for the longest time. It was like, okay, he's a good center, but if he gets caught in a pick and roll in a switch, can he get out on the guard for a little bit? And that's still the case. But now it's also like, well, can he pass it or does he just gum up our offense? Can he make right. a shot or can they sag off him and, and kind of screw things up? Uh, it's incredible that this, these guys are the ultimate examples of it right now in terms of this upcoming generation. But it's crazy how much of that you see and how much of it you need anymore. Yeah, and it, it's actually kind of a discussion like, you know, if obviously like anyone who's paying attention to the NBA knows that like the Spurs did the point Sohan thing. It got roasted over and over and over again. But like there's a reason they did it. Um, Trey Jones is back in the starting lineup and and predictably, you know, the offense got better. Like guys were getting the the ball in the spots they like. It was moving faster. Like things opened up a lot more. Um, but there was a reason why the Spurs wanted to try that. They they see what the NBA is. And the idea of your shortest player being 6'5 or 6'6, six, six, um, the idea of being able to just match up with anyone all over the floor and just testing what you have in, in a guy like Sohan, seeing what he's capable of doing. The Spurs really love to to pressure test people like the kids um and so you, you kind of understood like there's a reason like you don't you want trey jones who's six one like you want him to be your backup point guard if he's in that role that's great this it's not taking anything away from him but when he's your starting guard your starting lead guard you leave yourself open to to bigger guards, uh, really giving you a hard time on the defensive end. And Trey Jones is a good defender, but he's six one. It's like it's it's uh, it's one of those things where you almost feel bad talking about it. You're like you're almost like body shaming, <laughs> right? Like, right? Yeah. But you're like, dude, you're too. We're we're talking about a league where these guys are giants, and you're too small, and it just is what it is. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a hell of an evolution, man. This, this league is a lot of fun to watch. It's crazy. The, the Thunder will push back on the idea that they have a small team. They're playing Chet and four wings, but they like to point out the four wings are six, six, Shea Gildas Alexander and six, five Jalen Williams. And right. Lou Dort is a linebacker at six, yeah. three or, or, or whatever. And, and Josh Giddy six, nine, uh, they're a pretty big team in some ways. So it's, yeah, it, it's, the, the league has changed so dramatically in that sense. We talk about Chet and Victor. Chet has been, he's been great about, you know, he takes any question people have. He talks after every game, talks whether he plays well or doesn't play well. Right. One thing he doesn't love talking about is Victor. 
Um, <laughs> and I, I, I don't know how true that is on the other end. Oh, but it's I, certainly I don't been think a thing he likes here. talking. I don't think Victor likes talking about Chet much either. I, I yeah. <laughs> and I, I think some of that is just the competitive nature of the two guys. They don't have much history. Um, I wrote about this. They played in a in a in a under nineteen thing, right? Uh, or under eighteen thing uh, a few years back. Uh, Chet at the time said one of the most Chet things he's ever said, which is, I don't like to give other people credit, but I have to give <laughs> that guy credit, which for him was really complimentary. But he he doesn't, I don't think he likes the comparison aspect of it. Um, I don't think he likes the idea that they're linked, even though that's kind of necessarily true at this point. Sure. But but it, it has not been his thing, at least. Uh, yeah, I can say the same thing about Victor. Uh, he He doesn't. He doesn't like talking about uh, other uh, other players in general. Like there is this side of him where he kind of pushes it to the side. He doesn't want to do the comparison thing. He doesn't want to talk. Uh, you know, he'll he'll talk generally about what it's like to go up against the greats every night and talk about like how he wants to be one of the greats. But he, if you watch Victor play, like he. Doesn't you know? You know how NBA games have become like everyone's high fiving and hugging after every game. Um, he doesn't do that uh, for the most part, except the other night maybe uh, Bilal Koulibaly, his former teammate, like he stuck around and and said hi to people and hugged and 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 hugged Bilal. But no, Victor's the same way. Uh, I think those two guys are sort of cut from the same cloth. They're they're incredibly competitive. They don't want to just lavish praise on the guys that they're competing against every night. And I love that, man. I love that because I like at the end of the day, like the the reason that I am even doing this and wanted to do this and grew up loving this stuff and playing the sport is uh is the competitive nature of it. And like like I don't I don't. I don't care about that guy. I'm not thinking about him. Um, even though, you know, guys like you and me have to bring it up on a daily basis. <laughs> yeah, right. And Chet's been similar in the sense of like, you know, he's had to, obviously he's played Jokic a couple of times. He's played Anthony Davis three times now. Um, and he'll talk about that. But what he'll typically say is, you know, that's the NBA. It's full of great players. He's right. a great player. But that's what it is. Every night you play a great player. That's like a standard Chet answer to that, you know, and it's he'll concede that those guys are great. He's not taking anything away from them. But you're right. He right. is he's he's from more of the um, you know, I, I think Durant was kind of his guy growing up, but he's more of a Kobe guy than he is a LeBron guy in terms of like that approach to, you know, like Kobe famously kind of wasn't sure if he wanted to do USA basketball because he didn't want to show the other guys the stuff he was doing in the summer. Like, I don't want right. to, I don't want those guys to see me. He's Chet's got a little, he obviously he loves USA basketball. He's going to be a big part of it. But in general, I do think he's a cutthroat competitor. And I, I, I do think he he's, it's hard for him to concede. The other guy is good, even though he'll, he'll kind of grudgingly do it. Yeah. Whenever, whenever uh, Victor has been asked about Chet, you know, specifically we're talking about this conversation. He's cordial. He doesn't like trash talk the guy. But he's very clear about the fact that he's like, yeah, we, you know, we played once before. Uh, talking about the the uh, U nineteen game, um, and 
even when when he was asked questions preseason. I mean, the first game he ever played was that was Oklahoma City, and they went back and forth, and it was a really fun game. Uh, he wasn't like opening up, but like there were times during that game where like uh, Chet got hit really hard on the ground, and Victor turns and walks away like he's not helping him up. Um, yeah. So both of these guys are just super competitive people. And if you're the Thunder, if you're the Spurs, you love that. Uh, you you want to see that that intensity, that that competitive nature, that just I don't I don't want to be friends with you type of situation. Um, and of course, as people who cover the NBA, as fans of the NBA, uh, we all love to see that as well. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I love, I love that Booker and Luca hate each other, that they just don't <laughs> get great. along and they take shots at each other. I like Chet. Chet, you know, had the little, uh, the little passive aggressive tweet after they played talking about the, you know, the, oh, the yeah, face right. thing and all that stuff. Um, and it's fun. He's the same way. I don't think he's never said a disparaging word about Victor Wimanyama. Like he's never yeah. said anything like why, why the, the guy's good. You're not going to, uh, nobody would say otherwise. It's really obvious, right. but even the idea of like them being a rivalry and all that kind of stuff and the rookie of the year conversation, which we'll get to here in a minute, Chet has no time for rookie of the year talk. I mean, he said it repeatedly, you know, it's just not a thing that he's focused on and whether that's true or not, that's the approach he's going to take to it. it he, he's not going to tell you, I care about beating Victor Wimanyama for rookie of the year. Sure. You know, it's just not a thing he's going to say. Sure. Victor has made it very clear from like day one that he wants everything, <laughs> like everything. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he was recently asked about, um, uh, about, you know, whether it hurt him that he, that Chet got rookie of the month and he didn't. And he wasn't like, he wasn't like super angry about it. But he's like, yes, I, I, yeah, of course that bothers me. I want everything. Um, so he's, I, one of the things about Victor that's been that has been so fun to be around is how matter of fact he is and how honest he is about everything. Um, it, it it really it really uh, it really makes you understand. Like this is it's almost uh, again don't want to make this sound condescending, but it's like mouth from the mouth of babes type stuff. Yeah. Like he just says right. what he feels. And, and it's, it's a lot of fun to be around, but I would guess, like you said, you have no idea if this is true or not. I would guess that Chet probably cares about that stuff because we're all human. Um, but I think the way that both of these guys put things in perspective, like, okay, like in Vic's case, like, okay, yeah, I absolutely want this stuff. I want all of it, but it doesn't matter. Like on to the next one. We'll we'll see what happens next month. We'll see what happens at the end of the year. Yeah, he's going to win rookie of the month for January. Uh, Victor is. I would I would think. I mean his his January numbers. While Chet has taken like a little bit of a dip, Chet's been pretty consistent. But yeah. Victor's made a pretty big jump in January from where he yeah. was. He's been his numbers are pretty outrageous. Ever since the move to center. Um, which we're approaching a month of, I mean, he's just been ridiculous. Um, there, <laughs> there's no, there's no other way to, to, to talk about it. Like he's just been a, a total force on both sides of the ball. 
And and one of the things that like if you're the Spurs or you're a Spurs fan, you love to see is the fact that with increased playing time, like his percentages have improved. He's he's become a better three point shooter. Like he's in the mid thirties at this point. Um he's, he's averaging like like four blocks, four and a half blocks a game ever since moving to, to center. Like th- this type of stuff is is crazy. I, I still like the Spurs are like you talked about, you know, teams being labeled small. Um, you know, the Spurs lost Charles Bassey uh, earlier this year, who was coming off the bench when the Spurs were running the two big lineup with Zach Collins and Victor Wembanyama starting. And he's six ten, super athletic, a great shot blocker and rebounder. Um, so ever since then, like their big man rotation has been. Victor and it's been Zach Collins and outside of Dominic Barlow who's a two-way player uh who's like 6'9 6'10 like Jeremy Sohan is their next biggest guy and he's 6'8 um so they do have to deal with size issues so this the responsibilities that Victor has at the at the five and and playing around those smaller units like um it's when i said earlier in in the in the in the show here like he's made these massive improvements from the start of the uh, from the start of the season and just the responsibility of like being the guy on the back end has demanded a lot from him and uh i know chet's the same way it's just it's cool to see these guys it's cool to see these guys figuring this stuff out Right. So the rookie of the year thing is interesting. It, it'll get interesting in like, you know, February and, and a little yeah. bit in March more to me. That's there's so much game. There's so much season to be played. And like these guys have both been pretty durable. Victor's obviously been on a minutes restriction. Chet has played quite a lot and has played every game. And these guys are going to eventually, you know, there, there'll probably be some sitting out. There'll be some bumps in the road. Um, but I, here, the thing I'm interested in, I, from your perspective, Matthew, I just want to know how you think about it. It gets a little tiring to me, the whole idea of like, well, this guy's on a good team and this guy's not on a good team. And so this is the comparison we have to make all the time. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I do wonder if you're a rookie of the year voter, like how you are supposed to take that into account. Like, what do you, you know, like, is it, a, is it different this year than in any other year in any given year? How much should you care about how good the rookie of the year's team is? W- where do you fall on that? Usually, I don't really take that into account. Like, if you're talking about rookie of the year, like if I'm if I'm looking at the whole spread, and I'm like, well, look, it's a, it's a rookie. Uh, maybe it's one thing if this is like the rookie. It, largely speaking, top end lottery picks are on bad teams, right? So, right. like, what are we really even looking at when it comes to? Uh, rookie of the year conversations and team success because usually that team isn't going to be very good uh but I, I do i do think that it's an interesting conversation this year because the thunder have taken such a gigantic leap and a huge reason of that is chet holmgren so this is a debate this is an interesting conversation. Like there are, I think that 
every sort of award can come with context. Like we don't have to have this like cookie cutter rules for every award. Like record doesn't matter uh, for rookie of the year or, you know, most improved player or whatever you want to talk about. I don't, I don't think that there has to be like this cold, hard rule for anything, but (laughs) the things that Victor Wembanyama is doing are crazy and they're just going to get crazier. If the Thunder keep playing like this and they're like a top two seed in the West at the end of the year or something like that, that's a that's wild from a team that was in the play-in last year, had been, you know, tanking the previous years, like to jump up that quickly and a huge reason of it being, of course, like, there will be the argument that like, okay, he's playing with an MVP candidate. Sure. Uh, but Shea has been an MVP candidate basically for a year or two. And we're talking about a guy making an impression on a team that's made this gigantic jump is super efficient. I, I think it's, I think it's uh worthy of the, <laughs> Worthy of the conversation, even though Wembenyama is starting to just rack up like giant numbers on a on a more regular basis. Yeah, I, to me, if the gap continues to grow, so he, you know, this month in January, he's averaged about eight or nine more points than Chet. He's averaging more rebounds. He's averaging more blocks. Yeah. Um, he's shooting the ball better. Chet's still a little ahead of him in terms of his shooter and in the efficiency numbers, and like some of that. Some of that, the, the quality of the team matters. Some of it, it does. I mean, some of it, Chet is creating some offense. They, they're pretty close, surprisingly close. I think in unassisted field goals, like the percentage of their field goals that are unassisted. So those guys are creating some stuff for themselves and both mm-hmm. of them are doing that. Yeah. I think if the gap continues to widen, it's 100% reasonable to be like, this guy's just the best rookie and he deserves to win rookie of the year. Totally. If it yeah. doesn't, and the numbers are even, I think it's completely reasonable to say these guys are both incredibly good, but this guy helped the team win 50 games or whatever, and he was a big part of it, so I'm going there. No, I agree. I, I, don't, I don't really think that, like, I think people can be reasonable about this, right? Like, voters can be reasonable about this. I, you know, I, I know that the betting odds have been, like, Victor Wimbanyama has been plus for a while i haven't looked at them like today or recent or like the last week or whatever um you know i know victor Wembanyama was sort of in the plus and chet holmgren has been the favorite for a while but like even then even back then when victor was like plus 350 or whatever he was i would have put money on victor because he's he's just going to get to a point where you cannot ignore the stats that he's putting up, the numbers that he's putting up, the impact that he has on games, frankly. And I, if, if the Spurs had even a slightly better record, I don't think this would even be a conversation. But I agree with you that if things sort of plateau, and like, dude, I don't know, like, there's a chance that we've already seen like the length of this minutes restriction. It's been like a month um, that he's been on this minutes restriction. They don't want to play him on back-to-backs still. And I'm told it's 
you know, it's still an ongoing, uh, an ongoing situation. If they get to a point where he has to sit more and more later in the year, like they just want to be careful. They don't want to mess around with anything. They're protecting their goods completely. And the record is terrible and whatever it like, I do think that it is a, a, a legitimate conversation or at least a reality that Chet could win this thing. I think you got to favor Victor, but Chet, I, I think Chet's going to hang around for a while. Yeah. I mean, I think as long as they're this good and I, the other thing too, I I'll say this and it won't be popular in Oklahoma city. If it's close, I do think the winning, this is popular in Oklahoma city. I think the winning is an edge to Chet, but I also do think if it's close it's reasonable to make the case that one guy did get like the red shirt year in the NBA and one didn't. Sure. There's precedent for that. The, the, the guys who have had that year, it's proven advantageous. A couple of those guys have one rookie of the year. Blake Griffin did. Yep. Yep. Um, ben Simmons did that. They, they got the advantage of having that year. And like Chet said earlier in the year, it's not as advantageous as playing in those games, but it's more advantageous than not doing anything right it, it, it's an edge in that sense he doesn't think it's a huge edge why would he say that anyway he's trying to win rookie <laughs> year um but like it, it is an advantage to him and it, it, it's okay to me if you want to be like i'm gonna factor that into my voting i don't think it's absurd people get too mad about some of that stuff people get too mad about too many things but that <laughs> for sure and 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 no you're right i mean no he didn't get to play in games and those are the most valuable parts of player development or, or the most valuable area of player development is playing in games but like man <laughs> these NBA facilities are crazy like you get to be around this team you get to be around these coaches you get to be around these trainers man I the the Spurs practice facility is wild like there is nothing like it in anywhere not even close in college sports and 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 not even not even considering that like you have these professionals you don't have hour limits on your practices or your training or whatever you just can be in there the whole time you can be working with your shooting coach which like clearly chet our our uh, our, our friend from san antonio who's helping <laughs> yeah. the thunder out chip england like getting a chance to to be around these people and be in the gym every day for however long you want to be it's a it's a major benefit and and a major advantage i mean Wembenyama is coming from from France from a really sort of crappy professional league um he, he's had some things to say about what it's like playing over there and what it's like uh, playing in the NBA and being around the training staffs and the dietitians and the and the doctors and and all of this stuff, um, now it's it's a huge part of where. And this is not a criticism of Chet. This is just reality. Like he has benefited in a huge way. Like and like you mentioned, guys like Blake Griffin who have who have been through a similar situation, and Ben Simmons. Like you just benefit from that situation and it's a massive advantage to spend an entire year around an nba team at least teams that are like responsible with their with their draft picks but but yeah, yeah right and 
Yeah, and you know, I think you know he got to see Shea Gildas Alexander yeah. navigate a pick and roll, and like, what what is he? How does he like to do this? And he got to watch all the holes in their defense and think about how he would plug those holes, the way he would be able to defend plugged in with these very same players. I mean, he's out there now playing with guys he got to watch as the rotation guys last year. I do think that's advantageous. I mean, he was, I'm sure he was watching film with them. Like, like, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's just like, you get all of the benefits and you get to rest, you get to fix your body. You get to repair your injuries, your damages. And, and, and there's no question that, that that's a benefit for sure. Yeah. And, and by the way, it sucks that Chet had to go through that. I like, I yeah, really yeah, want to yeah. make that very clear. I'm not like being like, Oh, lucky Chet who uh, had <laughs> right, a foot injury right. and had to sit out all of last year. It's terrible. He would have much rather been a rookie last year and let whatever happens with the award happen. Um, he wanted to play basketball. So I'm definitely right. not saying it in that sense. I just think all of these things are totally valid. It's completely valid to say there's an advantage to being a little older and having gotten that sort of red shirt year. There's also, you know, a disadvantage of being on a bad team and, and this guy gets to go out and compete and try to win. And he's doing this nightly for a team that everybody's talking about as a winner. And so, you know, that's a disadvantage to Victor Wimanyama. And it's fair to say, I like the guy whose team is winning a lot more. Like that's not an unreasonable thought for a voter to have all these things. Like people just want to fight about these two guys. And I just <laughs> want to say like, all this stuff is perfectly reasonable and they're just awesome. And let's like enjoy it and love that we get to see this. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and I also think like there's there's another side with Victor where uh, the Spurs really kind of let him do like they're just now really starting to run stuff for him. So they were doing a whole bunch of like, let's get him the ball and just see what he does and let him figure it out. Like, let him go through the growing pains. We'll we'll see what he's got and we'll adjust from there and like his percentages are still pretty like if the way that people talk about Victor Wembanyama you'd think his his percentages were way higher than they are but they're he's had a, a pretty inefficient season and there are some games where he turns the ball over like crazy when he's double teamed or triple teamed uh spent a good chunk of the year you know, below or like around 25% from three and below 50% from two, which is like crazy when you're that tall, but dudes were, dudes were coming at him and pushing him around and, um, and the Spurs kind of let it happen in the same way that I talked about, like the point Sohan thing, like they they were figuring things out all around him while also figuring out what he was. And so you look at a lot of those numbers it's like oh this guy's whatever like we can clearly see when you when you see him uh play that he's got some skill but like how good has he been how remarkable has he been like Chet Holmgren's over here like pushing these crazy percentages and hitting huge shots and playing great defense and blah 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 we we all we all know this but but there was sort of a um a disadvantage early on with Victor, but now they're starting to sort of like get him into a rhythm and get him into set pieces and, and stuff like that, that, uh, you know, to what we talked about earlier is probably going to lead to him winning the MVP because he's just getting better and you can't ignore the numbers. Yeah. I mean, I think there's, you can make a case too, that it's, it's almost, you can, 
There's a flip side to Chet's team being better where you can say, hey, this guy gets 12 shots a game. He's got to play within a structure. Yeah. There's, you know, like yeah, what yeah, if yeah. he was here's the thing. If you watch basketball, here's what you know. If you put Chet Holmgren on San Antonio, he'd get more shots. He'd probably be a little less efficient. He'd have some crazy games with like great numbers. Hmm. And if you put Victor Wembanyama on the Thunder, he'd probably score a little less. He'd probably he'd definitely get fewer shots. They'd still probably be a really, really good team, and he would be a very big part of why they're good. These guys are just really good players. I mean, they're just both really good basketball players. They are. Um, I love watching both of them. It's It's been a lot of fun. I think the other night on TNT, and I don't think this is like the 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 straight-up, like, end-all, be-all argument, whatever, for this award, but... Uh, it was inside the NBA. Kenny, I think Kenny or Shaq, one of them, asked Charles, "Pick a player right now. Like, pick a player. Who would you rather have on your team for the next decade or whatever?" And I think it just kind of like even all of the context that we're talking about. I feel like, given the numbers, even considering both of their numbers, that. That was one of those moments where it's like, oh, Lord, like the best rookie is the best rookie has is Wembenyama. And we've talked a little bit about that. I don't. Like I said, I don't think that's the end all be all argument, but it is one of those moments where if let's say like let's say Wembenyama was was playing poorly or whatever, like I, there might have been a decision there like, wait, Chet is like pushing earlier in the season pushing like 50 40 90 splits like would you rather have that guy playing for your team because you might um but i don't know it's it's a great it's it's a great conversation and i have a feeling it's gonna last for a couple of months yeah me too and i think there might be some time down the road where these guys are up for the bigger award one day where we're talking about the two of them as candidates Totally that agree. Well. That's totally that, agree. That path for Chet is a little more complicated. He's got one on his team already. Who's going to be up for that? But but I, I don't think it's outrageous to think whether it's MVP, whether it's defensive player of the year. I mean, I just think these guys are going to be in conversation together for a really the, long time. The defensive player of the year one is going to be really interesting to watch. I feel like MVP. Yeah. I feel well. I mean, it could be both, <laughs> but defensive player of the year because we've already seen like up front. These guys can defend and they're such impactful players. And maybe like when they get when they develop more around these guys that it'll be they'll be even more impressive. Like team like teams will be the Thunder or the Spurs might be like really way up there at the top of the uh defensive rating charts. Um that that award's gonna be a, a fun one to watch, that's for sure, because both of these guys are are Difficult to deal with once you get to the rim, and both of them want to just throw your shot into the fifth row. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait. I hope there's lots of this kind of discussion. I hope there's lots of civil discussion. Matthew, I appreciate you being here. Thanks so much for your time. Uh, tell people where they can follow you and and find some of your work about uh, Victor Wembanyama. Yeah, I'm at uh, at Matthew underscore Tynan on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it. Um, I am. If you want to find my work, it is at the Corporate Knowledge Newsletter uh, Substack. Matthew Tynan, 
www.substack.com. And then uh, my own podcast is called Small Market Bias, and you can find my stuff there as well. So I appreciate you having me on, man. Great place to find lots of stuff about the Spurs. Victor Wimdiama. Thanks, everybody, for listening. If you haven't yet subscribed on YouTube or Apple Podcasts or Spotify, go and do that. Leave us a review. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.